everybody, and welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Frank, here with my great buddy, AJ. How you doing? I'm doing really well, Frank. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Um, I had a lot of mezcal yesterday, and it put me to sleep, but I'm feeling a lot better today. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, <laughs> Just your you, typical Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, hanging out again in, in the coronavirus, you know. Uh, I think it's it's tough. You know, we're sorry to the people who are having hard times out there. We know it it's crazy, but, you know, here on the podcast, it's not. So use it to escape and enjoy and not think about that crazy shit. Um, okay. Today's episode is exactly primed and ready for that uh, sort of escapism. Escapism to the nth degree. I mean, we are still including this as a part of our James Bond retrospective. I don't think we'd be doing this episode otherwise without it. So um, it it may not be a James Bond, but it is certainly the spoofiest of the James Bonds. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, So... Today's film, uh, if you've noticed from the artwork, is uh, Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. Um, Yeah, we are psyched as hell. Um, It seemed only fitting that we had to talk about Austin Powers um, for uh, a brief moment in time because it really does uh, pay so much tribute to James Bond. And I want to, like, take a second because, like, uh, I I think there's a total difference between, like, spoofs that are you know really great and spoofs that are like you know not like what makes good parody right right and i think really the main thing is you have to like really have a deep and true love of the source material so i think like a great example would be like young frankenstein and like mel brooks being able to go back and get so much of the old gadgets they had in the frankenstein laboratory from the universal vault that this guy had in la that he found the movie Airplane, right. which is done after this movie uh, Airport uh, 77. Um, even something like Scary Movie. Like, like these are all, like, they, they love the stuff that they're lampooning. And right. Mike Myers clearly loves James Bond. And Austin yeah, Powers it, is a James Bond tribute and love letter. Exactly. It's not that they're making fun of it so much as they are calling to attention some of the the ridiculousness that is already there in, in the right in the original films um yeah you mentioned mel brooks he's a, a perfect example i think about like space balls too and like um space how... silent movie uh the yeah. producers uh, uh uh what's high anxiety like uh, you you got to know the material before and, and really love it to be able to take it and make fun of it or wink at it or right i think that's what there. i think that's what makes a good one because there were a ton of parody spoof movies that came out when we were growing up like like superhero movie like there's a movie called date movie not another teen movie i think is probably the best one of all of those sure um yeah. but i think ultimately uh you know what separates austin powers into you know top five parodies of all time is that the the love is there, and it makes the um, uh, what it, it plays on what makes James Bond great in kind of an antithetical way. You know, like it 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 comes at it from a totally different perspective. Like James Bond is beautiful. Like Austin Powers has these horrible teeth. You know, <laughs> like James Bond is uh you know always smooth and like very much in control. Like 
also powers immediately, you know, spoiler alert, he's about to go be lowered into the, the ill-tempered sea bass, and his first thought is he's going to shit himself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, uh, I think that there's a lot of different, you know, there's a lot of differences here, and I think what makes these movie this movie in particular, because we're only talking about the first one right now, uh, <laughs> is that um, this is done so lovingly and oh, and will always be a time capsule of you know this kind of love of bond and and i think the the interesting thing that happened is that it it was so well loved it became its own thing um and so like the fact that there hasn't been like a spoof of austin powers too is like sure kind of crazy well, they, but... i'm sure that they've spoofed him some they've probably spoofed him places like family guy or sure absolutely. south park or whatever well, and I think the other funny thing is, like, I remember when when this was, like, first coming out, the, the first few of them being like, oh, you know, Mike Myers was on SNL. But, like, I was, like, his time on SNL was a little bit, like, I was too young, really, to appreciate it until, like, later on. And so, like, I always assumed that it was, like, a character he did on SNL and that, like, became a movie because how many of those are out there right but okay. like this is distinctly not that this is not like mcgruber that becomes a film or like uh wayne's world or whatever like the the skits that existed beforehand like this is like its own thing a ton of research was done they made it and it like really i think stands the test of time and it doesn't feel like dated well like okay a few things so you're totally right that that this doesn't come out of the Lorne Michaels kind of, you know, feeling that, you know, the other you know, Wayne's world has and like these other movies. So, uh, and that's important because I think the main thing was they were looking at doing Wayne's world three and then Mike Myers opted to do this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's also, his parents are from Liverpool so that's why Austin Powers kind of really sounds like a Beatle and like a mixed Canadian. Like he doesn't really hold the accent like perfectly the whole time. <laughs> Did you notice sure. that this like this time or like have you watched it critically ever? Um, I mean, like it like that kind of thing doesn't matter so much to me. Like I, I think, yeah, he can slip it in and out of the accent and it's like whatever. It's part of the movie. Exactly. Plus, like he also plays multiple characters in these films. So like. To me, it's as much about Austin Powers as it is about Dr. Evil. And so, like, the character, yeah, it, it, if it's a spoof, it's a spoof. And, like, he doesn't need to sound like Bond either. Oh, totally. He has his own thing. So here's here's what I think happened, okay? Because this is what I can surmise from uh, all the available material. There's a great podcast with Mike Myers that's on Mark Marin. The James Bonding podcast has an episode on Austin Powers that's very good. Oh, excellent. Um, there's a ton of really good material uh, to go back and kind of listen to. There's other stuff that's like, you know, really just discussion. I want this to be good critical t stuff. Uh, so here's what I think happened. Um, I think Mike Myers is like a really crazy dude, right? And yeah. he uh, didn't want to do that. He wanted to do this movie. They made this movie for $17 million. Like wow. it shows in a couple places, but think about how this movie you could it's so still watchable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like complete garbage. <laughs> like, you no. know, 1997 was a crazy year for movies like Titanic, Men in Black, uh, Lost World, Jurassic Park. 
Tomorrow never dies. Tomorrow never <laughs> dies. It was it was nuts. Um, yeah, I think he goes off. He comes back to do this movie, and I think it has like some shit with Dana Carvey because if you watch the Howard Stern clip, there's I, I think the inception of the Doctor Evil voice comes from Dana Carvey, and oh. Dana Carvey it may be kind of like salty about it, and mm. talked about it with Howard Stern that after he had done the character a couple of times uh, or like after the, the voice became a thing, like Mike Myers kind of took it like, and Dana Carvey will even say, he's like, he did a whole other thing. Like he'd made Dr. Evil. Like I didn't think of Dr. Evil, but ultimately like the voice, like I cracked the voice at one point. Uh, I see. So I, so then he, he leaves Dana Carvey. He goes off to shoot this movie. He brings Jay Roach, who's never made a movie before in his whole career but goes on to have a crazy prolific career. He made all the Meet the Pop, the Parents franchise. He made that Game Change uh, and Recount movie for HBO. He mm-hmm. just made Bombshell, the Roger Ailes movie, which is crazy. We watched that the other night before we watched Austin Powers. <laughs> uh, Did he do all of them? Yeah. Yeah, and because I remember there was when there have been discussions, it's between Mike Myers and Jay Roach, like, about whether they would do a fourth one and the ideas that they have and just the timing hasn't worked out. But yeah, it, yeah, it's crazy that, you know, you've got this like voice, like two creative voices throughout the whole franchise that have been consistent. Totally. And, and that they've worked together and they work together on such a great level at this point. Like he's bringing Jay Roach in. Um, when the movie first was doing test screenings, like audiences that they were showing it to, they were, pulling them like hey who knows james bond and nobody raised their hands and (laughs) the studio wanted to change the movie and mike myers was like no like absolutely not so that's why this movie doesn't have crazy like box office release like think of all the competition it was in theaters with uh but uh it's it did really well in a home video and like sure a huge like home video movie staple absolutely but it's also a comedy like that's the thing like comedies aren't known to be like these big box office splashes and so like i mean i don't think i saw this in theaters but i probably rented it a bunch and then i own it so like i from then would have watched it several times on my own so like that totally tracks um agreed um yeah yeah i uh so you know getting into the plot of this movie like I just love it. It's very silly. You know, it, I don't think it needs to totally make sense all the time, um, but it's super fun, and I think it has a lot of really great, you know, nuggets in here. And it's short. It's like an hour and a half. It's such perfectly – it's so perfectly edible for a watch on Netflix. Absolutely. It goes by – the jokes just keep flying, and but there's a plot, and it is easy to follow, but it also resembles, like – how many different Bond movies. And I, I do really think that it's interesting that they went the 60s route and also implemented kind of that Beatlemania and the other um, other bands and, and the era of the 60s into the character because that, like, makes it feel Well, the whole um, opening of the movie, unique. like, perfect segue, is, is yeah. Hard Day's Night. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he's pretending he's John Lennon. He even has the Paul McCartney... Uh, beard from Hard Day's Night. Uh, it's like it's it's perfect. Uh, there's a great choreographed dance number. Um, 
the dance numbers and like the dancing in this movie are it, it's interesting like you don't think about it but there's a ton there's a ton, there's a huge dance movie <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that, and that's the thing. It's like we've talked about the James Bonds and the opening sequences, and like this has opening. Each one of them have opening sequences, but they're like so distinctly different. It's not like oh, this montage thing. It's a fucking dance show. It's awesome. It's awesome, and he's he, you know running around. He's taking photography. Uh, you know, immediately we establish. You know, so Mike Myers plays Austin Powers. Uh, and he's dressed like a total absolute crazy person, but like, it's, it's so, it's so perfect. So he's got the beetle shoes. He's got, you know, like the Lazenby suit is really what they say in the commentary. Okay. Uh, and then he's, you know, the hair is John Lennon. The glasses are, uh, oh my God, who are the glasses? Um, Oh, Peter Sellers in uh, the casino, his Casino Royale. Sure. Um, you know, there's, uh, it, it's crazy. So when you're uh, kind of getting used to like this Austin, like it's such an amalgamation of everything that, you know, he just fucking loves, which is, you know, the Beatles and England and a different side of, you know, what he says, like a different side of the 60s. Like it wasn't you know, the hippie, like, uh, protest 60s, like, this was the swinging jet set 60s, you know? Sure. And, yeah, I mean, and the fact that they make him, like, to, to in-universe, he's this sex symbol that everyone is in love with, and he's got this, like, mojo, this swagger that the, to quote it, the ladies want him and the men want to be him, right? Like, which... Is, is like totally in line with a James Bond type character, but like for us to watch from the outside, it's like what about him is so like you know uh, magnetic. Um, but you know, obviously we we love it as a character and and the comedy about it, but like just his look and his the way he acts and talks is just so crazy. Indeed, uh, he's you know. <sighs> I, I I love this characterization. I you know something that you know. Uh, I've heard been said is like, it looks like uh, Mike Myers is having more fun than like Austin is <laughs> that like throughout yeah. the, like he's really, you know, he's in the way that like John, like we talked about like in universe podcasts, like we talked about Jonathan price, like chewing up the scenery. Like I think Austin's like Mike Myers, Austin's performance, like can be a little crazy at times. And it's mm -hmm. not even like, it's not even, it's not the writing. It's like, it's just Mike Myers. And that is, like, it's interesting. Like, it doesn't work in other movies. Like, here it works really nicely most of the time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, from the very, you know, so, yes, the dance number is, is really fabulous. And then we're introduced to uh, the Shaguar, the the Jaguar with a Union Jack on, Union Jack on it. Yep. And Mrs. Kensington, uh, played by Mimi Rogers, who is fabulous. The, yeah, and we the black we get leather a jumpsuit. Yeah, the black leather jumpsuit, and you know that they've been this uh, dynamic duo, and she's like, you know, his first uh, Bond girl, kind of in these movies, um, and a uh, great little action sequence. You get to see Austin's pad, right? This in in this one, or is it? Is there? Where are they? That's the psychedelic uh this this 
the Psychedelic Pussycat Swingers Club. Psychedelic Pussycat Swingers Club. That's right. Um, the, and the Pussycats, it's some kind of amalgamation of all those things. All this was shot on a lot. Like, my stupid ass, like, really thought it was in London, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, of course. You know, like, they, they're all shooting this in the back lots in uh, Paramount. Um, so, yeah, they go into this. It's a great, it's a great shot. Like, the J. Roach shot uh, with his name on it with the lady on the floor and Warhol like that. It's very cool. Oh, so cool. And you're immediately Um, brought into that world. You're immediately brought in. There's like, yeah, distinct like sixties vibe. And, uh, you know, just like the women are, are powerful too. And, um, and we get like our first tease of, of the villain, uh, the one, the only Dr. Evil. Um, so, Dr. Evil is, is so I love that you don't get to see Dr. Evil for a couple of scenes into the movie. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it really is. It really is awesome. It's kind of like Jaws. Like it, you really are very excited to see what he looks like. And then you're like, oh, God. Uh, so <laughs> well, Dr. I, Evil is also played by Mike Myers. And it, for the role, uh, he shaved his head. He's got these long, elongated ears and elongated nose. He has blue contacts, and the makeup, everything he was wearing, took about two hours every day. Wow. Um, so he's like totally decked out, uh, and like when he's in character and you can't see him, he's like he's really, really awesome and really funny, uh, and probably I think the lasting um, element of Austin Powers. I think Doctor Evil transcends Austin Powers. I think so, and I and you know, to me, it. I think it's one of those franchises where it's like he he found himself in in uh, Doctor Evil. Like, I mean, I think Austin Powers works really well in this one, but like throughout the franchise, it's like that's the that's like the not the central character, but like the fact that they're both in all of them, and there's kind of that like dichotomy works so well. Um, uh, and you know, you know, all all great heroes have great villains, and like they they are the uh, the the yin and the yang that they say to each other at yeah. some point, and uh, you know, it, it's it's so good. Um, all right, you know, before he's the we get, Loki of this, yeah. right? <laughs> he is okay. That's an interesting way to look at him. I I didn't ever really thought about him as Loki. Okay, I don't know. I just thought of no. That's pretty good. Um, okay, so. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Dr. Evil escapes in a big boy. Um, Bob's big boy, to be precise. Um, They fly out into space for 30 years. 30 years later, Bob's big boy re-enters the atmosphere. And this is one of the scenes that the the special features and, like, learning about this scene, it kind of adds to the humor of it. But it also, once I watched it, you can't unsee it. Okay. So if you go back and you watch, so the technique that they're using to like do all the wipes and all the little boxes and stuff, that's really what they're trying to show. And the actor who's playing the general, he couldn't really do good readings of the lines. So his one shot is like, it's not continuous. It's like really cut up. It looks like kind of like how modern YouTube videos look. Okay. And if you go, the editing. So when you watch like uh 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 mr howard uh, and you're paying attention you're like oh my god it's tobias lee Heinegi. uh <laughs> when you see uh clint howard there 
uh, you're not paying attention to this guy. But if you go back and you watch it now, you'll see that this guy, like, obviously, like, has no idea how to act at all. He's, like, really bad. And it, I think it makes the scene funnier because <laughs> of the shittiness of the act. Like, it looks like a 60s movie. Sure. Um, so that, like, I think made it better. So go back and watch that if you haven't seen that. Because you don't really have to watch too super far. You could also probably watch it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, that's super, it was super weird to see that. I also feel like I remember that maybe it's either this movie or the, or the next one. Maybe there are deleted scenes that have like more extended jokes with this. Oh yeah. So there's a cup, the, the deleted scenes and I'm, we'll, we'll totally talk about them. Uh, they're not here yet, but there are some really cool scenes that involve different aspects of like the action movie genre that are never explored that are pretty funny. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get to them and talk to them and talk. Sure. About them. Um, so yeah, uh, you get back and we see, you know, we're introduced, uh, to Dr. Evil, you know, in, in full here with Mustafa, right? The Mustafa scene. Right. And, and he's dialing in on full Blofeld look that the whole cat, uh, Mr. Bigglesworth is totally, you know, ripped off from uh, from Bond and the fact that so like, Doctor No, of... that's de- so th- so that's a uh, Pleasance. the The suit is from Doctor No, and Donald Pleasance, and then the eye and more of the stuff is uh, Blofeld, right? So like and, they kind the, of advanced yeah, it. And the cat, the cat, yeah. Uh, and the so... cat comes out completely shaved because <laughs> they they fucked up the oh the cryogenic God. freeze. My design, my design was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we could not account for feline complications. <laughs> they had a reanimation process. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great scene. It's it's Will Ferrell's second movie. He was in a movie like three months before this that came out that nobody fucking remembers. Uh, but he is there, um, and I think it's great. I think it's fucking awesome. Uh, it's I, called Men Seeking Women. This was this was his second movie. Yeah. And, you know, he, like, he definitely, at the time, I didn't know who Will Ferrell was. Nobody like, knew he, who Will Ferrell he, was. So, like, he's just this crazy character, and that's, like, he gets sent down to the lava pit, and, you know, it's like, I'm very badly burned. <laughs> and, you know, like, <laughs> you don't oh, see the last of him. Burned. And, like, the, I mean, he dispatches all these burned. villains that, like, I, I'm sure if we were able to, like, pause and watch, we could see the, the parody in all of them, right? Like... These, oh like, yeah, so that he has. Yeah, so Frau Farbissina is based off of Rosa Kleb from from Russia with Love. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have uh, number two, who's designed to kind of you know resemble you know different kind of suave characters. I don't think he's based off of a direct character. Um, I don't think so either. But you know, he. I mean, they get like such a great actor um robert wagner to just like become right. this this role and it like you're, it's totally believable that he's the number two and that he you know how many movies like whether it's a bond or any other spy movie there's always a guy like pulling in the strings that's like doing most of the work for the the evil guy <laughs> well i love that number two really makes like just he only makes like sound business decisions right so like he's only like really after making a ton of money like very practical very relaxed he's like 
Creative, you know, we got out of all the chemicals. wasn't really great. Now we do cable companies. Um, you know, we do, you know, oil refineries. <laughs> They're also making fun of, you know, the little models. They're like, we make a factory in Chicago that makes a miniature models. Of it's so good. <laughs> and then the deleted scene is they also have uh, uh, decorative plates. Um, and oh, he shows off uh, like um, the cheeses of the world collection plate. He's like, some of these plates go for 240% profit. Like they're, they're super great. And I'm like, Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So number two, fabulous, fabulous character. Um, so Patty O'Brien is Paul Dillon. Um, he's not super integral. He doesn't really have a ton of work outside of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a really great little character, you know, reminiscent of all the different, um, you know, bond characters and how they will dispatch of people, uh, in interesting ways. And, and also that- very just like stereotypical, uh, you know, for like to have like this Irish guy and to have an Asian guy. And that like, that's like also something that has been done in various movies. It's like, well, then you've got random task who is like clearly odd job, right? Like, yeah. Just like, so I'm about to fuck you up with some truth. (laughs) Oh shit. Um, so Joe son who plays random task, um, is like a, a very bad guy. (laughs) Oh boy. Like he's horrible. And in 2011, he was convicted and sentenced to life in prison for like a horrific gang rape. Oh my god, <laughs> horrific! Um, which is horrible because in this movie, he's like kind of one of the best parts of it, and he's he's, he's written so perfectly. Like it's he nothing he did he I don't think Joe Sun brings anything to the role. So like that's why I think odd like random task in this thing in the scenes when you watch it, it can maybe still be slightly funny, but like very rarely do you hear of like people in movies that you love that commit like these horrible atrocities in like real life, and like that kind of fucks it up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean he's just like it's notable that he's he's not in any of the sequels, you know right. he doesn't come back like they don't use him again, but you know ultimately. He's well, a terrible, he's just like, terrible person. He's, he's just a henchman that, like, I, he probably wouldn't have been in any of the sequels. And he, you know, gets dispatched. And he doesn't, I don't even think he has a line. He just looks menacing. And that's, like, he throws a that's shoe, all point. Honestly. And he throws, honestly, he throws a shoe. Um, all right. And so that's. <laughs> then then <laughs> we get back to. Mo- truth. <laughs> Mo- uh, Mustafa. And I think that was it of, of the. the the henchman, right? Yes. So uh, the Lucky Charms bit is all improv. We got to get that in. Oh, my God. Uh, Mindy Sterling came up with that on the day. Um, and then amazing. Mindy Sterling added the yelling. So all oh the yelling God. that she does is from her performance like that day. That's why they all look so shocked, <laughs> uh, which is very funny. Um, I, yeah. I This scene, I think, is really fucking fabulous. It sets up the whole movie immediately. Immediately. You set up the whole movie in five five to seven minutes. We're already set up, right? Right. So ultimately, so uh, Dr. Evil goes over these different plots he's cooked up that have, you know, seemingly already happened. Uh, You know, one is to, you know, pretend that, you know, Prince Charles had an affair. If you don't know, Prince Charles did have an affair with uh, this woman and got divorced from princess diana 
Um, so that's why that's what happened. If you don't know what actually happened, mm-hmm. um, then uh, you know he's like the ozone layer. Um, at, you know, he's like we should shoot these lasers and you know punch a hole in the ozone layer. They're like that already also has happened. <laughs> um, and he's like, shit, what are we gonna do? So then then they decide to hijack nuclear weapons. And sounds you know, like a plan. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. And then <laughs> they have, you know, what I think is the most enduring line is one million dollars. Right. Yeah. That's this. That's an With iconic experience. Iconic that's, line. Yeah. The look, the pinky to the mouth, like it's perfect. And again, it's you know totally winking at like, well, yep, that's also not that much money now. <laughs> like we, <laughs> VirtuCon has. You know, over how many billion dollars in assets alone? Like, um, so mm-hmm. you know, I, I, do we <laughs> really? have him interact with the world leaders here? Or is that later? That's later on. Okay. Uh, but we, yeah, when we get there, we have to talk about. Well, we we get a little bit further. We got to talk about all the Seinfeld actors that are in this movie. That always mm-hmm. makes me so happy, <laughs> because it's all shot on the same lot. Around probably a couple of months difference, they they shot this in the summer. You know, they Seinfeld shoots in the regular season. Like that would have been, you know, they're all right, they're all around. You know, sure. they're auditioning from this other thing. They and then if you watch the commentary, they're like Larry Charles, the soup Nazi. That's why we yeah. got him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I I like that. I think that that always adds like it's it's fun that you know. It gives it such a, a look and feel of the late '90s that I just very much miss right now. So it's very mm-hmm. nice to go back there and look at look at all my friends. Um, okay. All right. So from here, we we transition into uh, we need to bring our hero back, and you know he becomes this man out of time. So we the the, the U.S. government they find Doctor Evil over Nevada, so they go to the British. And they they have to unfreeze uh, Austin Powers, who you know, similar to Doctor Evil, went in cryogenic freeze for thirty years. We have this great scene goes down like all these other people. You've got Vanilla Ice frozen. You've got Gary Coleman. <laughs> but that's totally Jaleel White as Urkel, right? Is it? I think. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not. That's not Gary Coleman. That's. I don't Jal- think that's so. That's Jaleel White. <laughs> I think you're right. I don't know why they did that, but you know, I think it just for for laughs. I, I guess I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they didn't get permission from Jaleel White, is what I think. Maybe that they had the the thing, and then they made it, and then they were like, "Can we do this?" And he's like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, and and then uh, so we have the the great unfreezing process that oh, again wonderful. to me just stands the test of time, and he you know. You've got the, the his crazy look and the the warm liquid goo phase and the reanimation phase and they have to shower him and <sighs> yeah just like the 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 the, uh, the blow of the air blowing on his chest hair it's oh my god like, it's such a great effect such a great effect and um, then the yeah. nonstop pee. Uh, the evacuation so this is like complete. a this is like a thing that happened. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, please uh, go. This is like a thing that happened like in this movie that is a joke. Like there's these long playing jokes that Mike Myers will do, where he'll start the joke. It's funny for a bit. It's not funny. You hate him, and then it's funny again. 
Um, and that is like kind of the way that like the Mustafa death goes, the long P, uh, the teeth jokes, like it's all these continuous, these long playing, um, you know, recurring themes. I, I think, I think it's really funny and it works really well here. You know, it's like, it's, bef- we haven't, I haven't watched, uh, the sequels yet. So I don't know if I'm going to get sick of it on the next go around, but I, I like these jokes here and I think that they still work because, their novel for what they were, you know what I mean? Like the way that the, the PC evacuation come, evacuation come, evacuation come, and he goes back to peeing. Like, yeah, it's so great. It's so great. Um, I love that. Um, eventually we get him to the, the stage where he can't control the volume of his own voice. Um, and he's like yelling at it at, at the, the prime minister and, there's a whole bit with the Russian guy and how it's like, it's like this uh, whole time Austin Powers was a secret agent for the the Soviets. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, it the the line he does where I I can't quote it exactly properly, but he's like, uh, you know, if we're also having you know anonymous consequence free sex, you know, with all these people and doing mind expanding drugs, you know, all while chilling out and going crazy, I'll be sound as a pound, like. It's a great, it's a great line, and it totally yeah. brings you into his full ethos onto the world. Right. Um, we also get introduced to probably your favorite character ever, Basil Exposition. Oh, I love Basil Exposition. <laughs> uh, he's Michael York is fucking Michael great. Uh, yeah, this is a fe- he's a great character, um, and he's super- I love his voice. He's super fucking British. Yeah, uh, and you just you get it like this is this is this is Em. This is the guy we have to talk to. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna exposit at you for he's a gonna... couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me straight exposition. <laughs> it's funny. Um, it's so... I love it. He's it's a it's a great character, and it definitely, uh, you know, plays an homage to my favorite part of these movies: the talky talky parts. Sure. At some point in the movie. Somebody has to explain to James Bond why this oil pipeline is important <laughs> and what they have to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, what does it all mean, Basil? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty oh. perfect, right? So, uh, you be, he's a great character, um, you know, and then Liz Hurley. Holy shit. Woo. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, she's definitely huge. She looms large for me on the scale of Schwing. Um, swing ability, swingtastic. Uh, you know, yeah. Bond wow. girl number two, I guess, in the, the movie. You know, Ms. Kensington, Ms. her daughter. Kensington. Oh my um, god! So obviously, Austin is immediately attracted to her, and and everything that you in a James Bond movie would happen. You know, you're introduced to the female character. Okay, he wants to fuck her, right? Like. Right, that all happens here too. Mike Myers wrote this part for Liz Hurley in mind. They loved really? her and they okay. wanted her in the movie, and they met her and they were like, "Oh, we really like you." And ultimately, like you know, uh, while he's doing this, like you, they have the best chemistry like throughout the entire like it, their chemistry has to work, and a lot of the lifting is really on on uh, Hurley. Because she has to make it convincing that she likes him. Right. Because at first she's so repulsed by him and like it, it's you, she has to gradually grow to 
appreciate his affection and his ridiculousness like as someone in the 90s and and look back at the 30 year uh you know gap and what everything was back then but you know she hears from her mother and how you know his charm and everything and uh you know eventually yeah her performance really over time throughout the movie really works um I think she's great. I, I think she's definitely, you know, before we get too far into it, I think she's probably going to be my favorite of the Austin Powers, you know, female leads. Ooh, uh, controversial. Oh, my God. I think she's great. Um, and I think she, her sweetness and the way that she plays the a real Brit, like she's real, like she does ground the the movie in some level of proper Englishness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like her accent is constant and perfect and you know portrays kind of what they wanted to do with her character was to make it seem like she had been at school for her whole time and this was kind of her first time out kind of a thing and that was that really plays well into how they make her how like really elizabeth hurley shaped this character into something more sweet and innocent than like something jaded or like a rosamund pike situation yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, yeah, so then the penis jump, the joke, the penis pumper joke. Yes, again, another joke that goes on forever that <laughs> just, like, at first you're like, oh, geez, okay. and But, like, the, the, the book and the certificate and the receipt and the – yeah the book that's uh this sort of thing is my bag baby like (laughs) so that is neil malarkey that was uh, austin's that was mike myers uh comedy partner when he was in london so he gave him a cameo here excellent um yeah very funny um you know the delivery on him he's so like fucking pissed about it the whole time i love it yeah he's like one warranty record for swedish penis and larger pump Signed by Austin Powers. Austin Danger Powers. One <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think he, at some point, has a line that's like, does he say, it's not like a Bond, James Bond, but like his delivery is clearly an homage to that, right? Like, Oh, well, there's a few things that I think are absent. Like, I don't, isn't it weird that there isn't like an Austin, maybe it's in gold member, but like there isn't like a big opening credits, uh, part in these movies, you know, there isn't a, a bond song for two minutes and credits. No. Well, it's, it's the, it's the dance. It's the, that's kind of your intro. Yeah. But okay. Oh, okay. Dun, maybe one dun, can perceive dun, dun, it. Yeah, the mu- like the Soul the Bossa music. Nova by Quincy Jones, nineteen sixty-two, is the name of that sure. song. Um, okay, uh, maybe you know what? I'll think about that. I'll think about it. I'll consider sure. it. Sure. But, but there's not like the spy who said me. No, there's there. not not in this one. Um, yeah, there's definitely a song in in the second and the third one, but it's not like over an opening credits really because they they still do the bit right throughout it of like yeah um okay okay. right so uh now we're on to you know the only place that they really shot on location was in las vegas so all these scenes look great they shoot at the riviera and the um oh my god the the mirage i think which were Mm -hmm. the the hotels they used in uh 
the casino. Um, yep. Super cool. Uh, it looked it's classic Vegas. You know, like this movie is a good Vegas movie. Yep. Um, even though there's not a lot a lot of Vegas in it, you do feel the vibe of Vegas. I think pretty heavily with how they do it. Yeah. Um, and so, especially like later, there's like a montage shot that like, makes Oh, really that's, cute. well, that's different. So like, yeah, that's shot. I know, but they had, they really did have Burt Bacharach on the top of that bus. Yeah. Riding around and they loved it. <laughs> of course. Like, how could awesome. you not? <laughs> um, and he, Burt Bacharach was super cool about it. Uh, yeah, I I like that. Uh, I I really like that scene. I think that's one of like the better, cooler scenes in the movie. Yep. Um, like it's it's a cameo, but it's also like, wow, like look what they're doing. Like how cool would that be? You know that kind of wish fulfillment aspect of it, the escapism. Sure. Um. Okay. So, uh, the Tom Arnold scene. Well, before that, so we're oh, introduced right. to, to we're introduced to um. Richie Cunningham and his and his wife Oprah, uh, <laughs> their their first like undercover bit. There's also a joke that I love to this day that I, I'm finding the right time to actually use it and like, hey, there you are. Oh, hey, do I know you? No, but there you are. <laughs> love it, so good. It's a great um, bit. And so then they they go play card. Uh, yeah, they're playing cards uh, with number two and a lot of vagina with the soup Nazi as the as the dealer. Um, so yeah, here you, you get one of those ridiculous names that uh, I was <laughs> I was again scrolling through Facebook today, and I think probably because we've been posting so much Bond stuff, continue to get fed the the feed of the, the various uh, callbacks. And there's a, a character in Moonraker, uh, Doctor uh, Goodhead, <laughs> I think oh it is. Oh my god! So like yeah, this is one of those characters that is, um, you know, I I watched. Austin Powers like really close after uh, Goldeneye, and so it's like on a top, pussy galore. It's just totally winking at that kind of over the top. Oh, a lot of vagina, the best fake tits in cinema, man. These these things are just <laughs> wonderful. They uh, float. <laughs> they float. They have their own trailers. They're really great. Um, that she's great. This whole scene plays out really hilariously. Classic, you know, Bond trope at a casino. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always interesting to see Bond play blackjack. I don't think Bond ever really plays blackjack too much in Bond too much. Mm. I think he mostly plays Baccarat and poker. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. the So, blackjack dealer is the soup Nazi. Um. He's, oh my God, he's so great. Um, so good so 20, deadpan like 20 beats your five i'm sorry you know yeah but also like austin powers being like i also like to live dangerously it's like i suggest you hit sir oh he's so great <laughs> i'm just like so perfectly um uh right you, you uh, he's, he's so out of tune he doesn't so, know yeah. what's going on <laughs> uh, which is like i think perfect like austin powers is one of those characters that like yeah is really like good at his job but also doesn't get a lot of what's happening <laughs> well yeah so we we skipped over a scene that we have to now go back to so because yeah. i wanted to we're gonna do two things and then we're gonna go forward with uh the, the the farting um so there's a scene on the plane with elizabeth hurley yeah um and you know 
if you watch the trailer, um, there was a scene in the trailer where Austin Powers calls for the stewardesses and sh- a stewardess or stewardess, a flight attendant played by Sherry O'Terry is like, mm. we're called flight attendants now. And uh, it's it's actually a deleted scene. It's cut from the the final movie. Yep. Um, but this scene is probably the only scene you have to kind of put a disclaimer on like Disney plus four or potentially cut from the movie going forward. Uh, you know, but it also, you know, it's, it is, it is harmless. Like the way that they described it in the movie in the commentary, well, we should describe it. So in this scene, they're on the plane, which is, uh, awesome powers preserved jumbo jet. Mm-hmm. If Austin was frozen in 1967, the jumbo jet wasn't really commercially viable until 1970. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, there's a lot of continuity problems with Austin powers that I'm always not always thrilled about, but we'll talk about that at the end of the movie. Um, uh, when, um, they're on this plane, they're hanging out. And then pretty much the entire time he's trying to sleep with Elizabeth Hurley. Yes. Um, and it's kind of, I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's the whole thing. I and mean, that is, you're probably right, one of the things that doesn't work as well now. Um, because, like, but, like, she's, like, totally repulsed by him and totally doesn't want, but, like, she's, there's also elements of her being, like, way too naive to really know what's going on that, like, I don't think works now as well. You know, like, oh, here, here, come sit on the bed with me. Like, yeah. and she goes, like, that, yeah, come on. Um, but, like, I think there maybe there's a hint that she isn't, like, she's putting up this wall, but maybe is, is like, kind of interested in, in him. But, like, also they are, they're supposed to be professional. Like, so whatever. Yeah, I, you're right. It, it would have to have a disclaimer now, I think. Yeah, I just, you know, it's, uh, it, did, it doesn't age well, you know, no. it's, it, and it doesn't hold up. The only thing that redeems it, before we get back to the pooping, is that later on in the movie when uh, Miss, Miss Ken, Veronica Kensington, uh, Vanessa Kensington, is drunk uh, and coming on to Austin Powers, he denies her because she's drunk and she's like, "It's not right. You're drunk. You can't. You can't have sex." So exactly inter- internally, he knows that and like he's, you know, he's intelligent about you know what's wrong to do. So I think that's like. That's he definitely has, in there to counter ba- to balance what that what's going on. Well, that and also the the fact that he how often does he talk about having promiscuous sex and actually does have promiscuous sex with, you know, random partners. Um, so like, yeah, you have this at least be a beat there that shows he has a moral compass and he's not like just going to go take advantage of somebody. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Uh, yeah. With, All right, back to yeah, the back pooping. to the Vegas. So we're still in Vegas, and after we meet uh, number two, we uh, Austin um, follows number two into the bathroom. Uh, you know, we see the bl- the blind bathroom attendant. I don't get the joke. Uh, well, it's like, oh, you didn't. Did you see? Uh, oh, no, you didn't see anything at all. Again, I think that's a little bit dated. It's kind of offensive, but maybe there's a reference there. I don't know. Um, and then, you, then we're introduced to Tom Arnold's character, um, who like 
<laughs> he's like, look at that get up you got on. And it's like, but like, have you seen yourself? <laughs> yeah, he looks crazy. He looks crazy too. He looks crazy. That's a good point. I never even thought about that. Uh, he's like a total crazy cowboy looking guy. Yeah. Like um, st- standing in a casino, like that's what you look like. All right, fine. Okay. Dude, the lines that Tom Arnold says in this scene are totally improvised. Get out of here. Yeah. One shot, one kill. How awesome is that? So fantastic. Uh, it's a great it's a great scene, man. Like, so, you know, it's such a play on Bond, you know, potentially getting, you know, set up in a bathroom. Uh, and now, you know, it's great poop humor. A very elevated poop humor. You know? Yes. Like, it's you know it's he's getting strangled by another guy he's yeah exactly so we can see what's happening but the the reactions of tom arnold uh basically like uh, bite your lip and give it hell or we're gonna get through this together um you know you gotta breathe or you're gonna blow out your o-ring <laughs> oh my god so awesome so awesome but then and then you've got austin who does number two work for <laughs> like oh so great that's a good one um yeah that's right buddy you show that turn who's boss um (laughs) okay so you know by this point in the movie like it's it's pretty silly but the silliest scene but also the coolest scene is where they're you know they're getting up and they're doing the naked shots with austin standing up naked and going to the bathroom i think that's like the coolest scene in the movie yeah Uh, And and another thing that's like a repeating gag yeah um over they do the course how of the they do this is they uh put monitors in front of elizabeth hurley um that are mirrored so that they will look actually like mirrors so when she's in front of them she can totally see austin behind her mm-hmm. if you watch it now you can see that she's looking at um uh screens that's why her computer is supposed to be on um but oh. it, it it doesn't it, you can see that when she's moving her head where she's looking Mm-hmm. Um, but that was great. I love that too. I thought that was really cool. And, um, it enriched the scene. Cause like, I didn't know how they made that. That was an awesome, funny joke that they did there. Yeah. And great timing. You know, you got him stretching, getting up and down. Oh, the sausage is, is the, fantastic. The, the sausage. Um, I mean, we might as, might as well talk about the other one too later when they're together, like with, with the painting and the milk jugs, but also it's like, Austin sits down naked in front of the, the screen uh, with talking to Basil. Like, like, you're, you're, like right now where we have Zoom and, and Skype calls like constantly with our bosses and he's just sitting there with everything hanging out. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, the balls on this guy, literally. Yeah. Um, so uh, we we see here um, a new, uh, you know, side of Austin as he's, you know, re- pushed off of uh elizabeth hurley and you know she's drunk and she's gonna go to sleep he's gotta go do some reconnaissance work at a lot of vagina's penthouse mm. uh he goes over he takes his little teeny weeny camera with him he sneaks in takes some pictures uh and then the sexiest scene from my childhood that i've ever can remember this and the tits in titanic uh you know do not work well in the vhs's in my parents house <laughs> They got a little uh, extra work. A little tracking issues. Yeah. A little tracking issues. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and, you know, you've got the the shot of her, like, 
undressing behind the curtain and then like well this movie yeah. is like sexy like i miss yeah. when movies used to be kind of sexy mm-hmm. i don't think movies are as sexy anymore i don't think it's because of today's toxic environment i just think that it's just it just isn't like for whatever reason the the sexiness of movies you know is no longer it's just not there right sure yeah and i mean this is a pg-13 like and some of the stuff that they get away with is is a little bit crazy you know for today's standards obviously like the things that were done in the 80s when a movie was only pg like did you see the thing about um them like digitally removing the butts from that tom hanks movie on disney plus like no way the butts uh, it's it's the it's the movie with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah I want to say and she's a mermaid and she like runs into the ocean and you see her butt because it's PG in the eighties it's not a big deal but it's on Disney Plus so they can't have that. <laughs> that anyway that ruins things. But so like yeah they nowadays some of this stuff wouldn't really fly and like yeah her her tits floating in in the the hot tub and just like oh but they're so perfect. <laughs> and yeah, the 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 bit of him uh farting in the the water. <laughs> oh my god. And uh yeah, it, it's great. I mean, it's great for uh you know, 13-year-old kid or wherever how old we were at the time. Um so yeah, he he gets some of the the information and it it gives them uh uh information on Project Vulcan. <laughs> Because, of course. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think we need to jump back to Dr. Evil for a second because uh, a few things have happened on his side of things. Um, for one, we're introduced to his son, Scott Evil, played uh, by Seth Green, of course, uh, who was created in a lab, <laughs> or so they say in this movie, um, and, uh, you know, has this, like, great, like, metal punk rock vibe to him and um dr evil just wants you know his love and it's like there's a great dynamic between the two characters well the the, one of the best lines is uh or i love um when mike myers in the commentary he's like i love the way the scene starts where he's like you remember when we froze your semen (laughs) (laughs) and then uh he's like oh sure (laughs) of course (laughs) <laughs> How could I forget? Um, yeah, Scott Evil is a great Seth Rogen. Seth, not Seth Rogen. Seth Green is fucking great in these movies. Yeah, uh, he's a continual like shining star of uh, like reality and and uh, modern times. You know what I mean? Like, Normalcy. Like he yeah. gets it. Uh, he's he's not in the same movie as everyone else. Like the the character totally. is is way more uh, in touch with reality. Well, I love his scene when they capture um, the guys, and he's like, "I have a gun in my room. I'll be back <laughs> in five minutes." Like, let's just kill him together. It'll be a great bonding moment. Scott, you just don't get it, do you? <laughs> like, it's so great. You're gonna leave him in a room with one inept guard, and they're gonna escape. Yeah, I'm sure. It all goes but that's down. like that's a spoof on Bond. Like, how many times? Right. Like do they just not kill him because he's the, the main character? Um, and the, the evil guys got it. We just saw that with all the Pierce Brosnan movies. Like how many times it's fantastic. Every, every time dude, every fucking time. Um, 
And one of the things I love about, uh, you know, all of Scott's scenes is he just, he loves antagonizing Dr. Evil. Like, and you can just see, I mean, the best scene, one of the best scenes in the whole movie is the Carrie Fisher therapy scene. Oh my God. Yes. It's epic, man. It's, it's so great. This is her. She looks so beautiful. It's so healthy. Yeah. You know? And looks like she's like doing writing a book, maybe. Like I'm trying. I when I watched that, I was trying to imagine, like what Carrie Fisher's day to day had to be like. You know, like yeah. You know, she's a she's a mom. She's doing this. She's doing that. Star Wars is coming out at this time. You know, again, uh, and she still she looks beautiful, radiant. She's gorgeous in this movie. Yeah. Um, and that whole scene, she's so funny. She so gets the joke. <laughs> listen to the words that he used who's gonna take over the world when i die <laughs> like she's so great uh she's oh such a great comedic actress and she brings the the cameos the cameos in this movie are really fun yeah there are some cameos of just like character actors like the seinfeld guys that aren't aren't really the same thing but like to see carrie fisher to see robert wagner um to uh Tom Arnold. Tom and... Arnold. There was a great, uh, what's his name? Rob Lowe uh, cameo that was cut from the movie. From this one? Yeah. It's a deleted well, scene. Well, you know, he. I mean, he goes, he's a featured player in the next one. Totally. Um, so. Uh, they, he plays, so that a couple of the deleted scenes that were removed, I assume because of time, uh, are... The there's a scene with the henchman that gets rolled over by the steamroller, and the henchman that gets his head eaten off. There's there's two scenes where like their buddies or or like their real life counterpart friends and families receive the news like hello, yes my husband worked for Doctor Evil. <laughs> like what <laughs> what um and like they're really pretty funny scenes of and what Mike Myers explains is like what if you know what happens to the henchmen you know like what happens right. after they die and it's 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 a pretty great joke i i'm a little sad they didn't include one of them i think yeah. the movie could have had one of them and it would have been okay I, yeah i think you're right i mean it would have added a minute or, of time or whatever i think it would have worked well because i i think that's the other the, the the steamroller guy michael mcdonald like it's so funny because you're like you see him at first and he's like, Oh man, they're going to roll over him immediately. And it's just like standing there frozen. Oh, it's a, it's a, and, and it's so iconic. Like this is like, you know, they're using like, how cool is it? That the part of the joke is that they're reusing the joke. It's a right. long, long joke, a long joke. And the funniest thing to me is that like they roll over him and immediately get out of the, the vehicle. <laughs> um, immediately they're done. This is gross. Like they could have stopped. At, yeah. Um, the other, so going back to Doctor Evil again, um, we have him interact with the uh, stereotypical world uh, agency. You got everyone, you know. Yeah. For, and and so that's fine. And you know he he d puts his demands out there and everything. And you've got a, another really long joke of like the evil laugh um, that like yes. happens in all you know regular James Bond movies or whatever. And it goes on and on and on to the point where you actually see them like winding down and be like, okay, all right, now what? <laughs> now what? Oh my God. You know, it's really, it's such a testament to, um, you know, 
all the little things that they pick out and really exemplify in the Doctor Evil world. Because I think to me when I was a little kid, you see this movie and it's like, it's almost as grand as a James Bond movie. Now when you watch it, it's like four cardboard sets. It looks like Star Trek. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like all of Doctor Evil's world is just like gray and black and, you know, and shitty. And, uh, and anytime Austin Powers is around, he's wearing like 14 different colors and patterns. Like he's just this colorful craziness. And they kind of play, it's kind of like the two things are kind of like two like two sides of the same coin in that like, you know, Dr. Evil represents like Mike Myers' love of James Bond and his love of these type of movies. And Austin Powers like represents like the time period and mm -hmm. probably I think his family and like kind of like where he comes from, you know? Sure. Uh, and it's, um, it's really nice to see like how he kind of, you know, breaks that down and gets into it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. The and and the, the last thing I'll say is about the fembots. We see them for the, the first fembots, time. The physical antagonist. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, again, smoking hot. The, and then the thing that, like, he, he talks about the, the caliber of, of them. <laughs> like, the thing is that kind of joke happens in a Bond movie. Really? All the time. I, I mean, it's just like one of those oh, yeah. easy, easy kinds of puns that – like, but they wink at it here, whereas in a Bond movie they don't. They like, how many times did we see a see Pierce Brosnan say something like that, like to Jinx or whatever, right? Like, winking, winking. Yeah. Um, you got to give okay. the people what they want. Exactly. Uh, so, um, when you get to uh, the, you know, so ultimately they have an underground drill. They're going to put the warhead in the drill and then send the drill underground. And then from there, you know, it's going to set off all the volcanoes. That's the plot of the movie. The volcanoes and it's going to... Liquid hot magma. Liquid hot magma. And uh, isn't it going to melt the ice caps and raise the waters and everything? I don't remember anything like that. I, I thought, I mean, well, yeah, the vol volcanoes is clearly going to fuck up everything on Earth, regardless of the actual yeah uh, it's a global destruction event sure um so he's threatening this thing uh they have these really hilarious 60s suits he has this great like suit that i kind of want now to like go to the grocery store in um he's like i'm the probe uh <laughs> what they said about this scene is that it is a uh, shot in a power plant in la and it was a backup power plant and then they had a brownout, and then all the generators kicked on. So when they're shooting this scene, the scene where Dr. Evil is talking to the UN, and you see uh, Babu Bot from the Dream Cafe, uh -huh. uh, they are um, all ADR. It's all dubbed afterwards mm. because they're all screaming at the top of their lungs. Everybody who's not on camera is wearing earplugs and earphones and uh, – you know, hard hats because it's a really dangerous, loud, crazy environment. And wow. everybody got like potentially noise damage, ear damage huh. because of how loud it was. Um, yeah, I thought that was crazy. That is crazy. Um, you would have no idea, you know, the magic of editing. Right. Uh, oh, the, the one other bit that I love uh, before that. So they, they go in with their disguises and so they're, they're on the tour and they they see when these like two workers go into the bathroom yes. and it's this like really really tall guy <laughs> and this overweight woman they go in and they follow them 
and they both come out and take their 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 outfits and like the outfits look normal. <laughs> like they wouldn't fit oh, in it's those. A gr- it's a great cute little nod to all those yeah. scenes. Right. Um, and when you are on that little trans tour, tram tour, you see the wig master from Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, so, um, if, so ultimately Austin is able to abort the total destruction of planet earth. Uh, and Dr. Evil begins his escape. Um, then there's a separate end of the movie where, um, Dr. Evil tries to go and get Austin Powers. Uh, notably, this is the first time we see them in a shot together. Uh, right. And it's the last time. It's only They only do it once. Um, in this movie, yeah. Right. Then uh, they... Uh, there's, a, there's a line that Dr. That number two says where he's like, all right, now, Mr. Powers, if you listen, I have a business proposition that will sound very interesting. You never hear what number two's business proposition is. And number two's business proposition is that, uh, you know, he has this Fendi case uh, with a billion dollars in it. Austin Powers sees that, you know, looks at all the money. He's like, oh, you're actually $832 short. And then uh, number two's like, well, I bought the case. It's a Fendi case. And he's like, well, it's a nice case. And then Austin Powers is like, well, am I essentially also buying the case? I don't want to buy the case. What if I wanted a different case? Um, and like they're fighting about that. That's the only, that's it. That's the only extended sceneness of the movie. And then Dr. Evil kills number two. So I think that's why they cut it because they wanted to use number two again. Right. Okay. Um, that makes sense. So, um, and, well, yeah. in that case, he has a fembot. He's taking that to the go other case. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so before that we, we have Austin, um, using his charms against the fembots and their 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 counter mojos got counter mojoed. <laughs> oh. They've got their wires crossed. Um, that's a great scene, and we finally you know get a little bit. He gets some trust from Vanessa. Um, there's this guard that like is watching Austin as he's like in his underwear, <laughs> which is really kind of funny. Um, and. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we skipped over a lot. I think there's a lot of really great bits. They have the the toothpaste and and the the floss and everything from earlier, and when he tries to unmask um, Basil's mother, and so they use that floss to escape the with the NF guard and uh, the the sea bass. Um, so so many good classic moments there. Um, the sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their head. Yes, the sharks with the freaking laser beams attached to their freaking heads. Oh my god! Um, so good. That's so good. Um, it's so it so rings true to Bond. But I also love that they what they said was like, we wanted to superimpose laser sharks onto the water. Right, that's what they yeah, wanted to do. Yeah, they couldn't do that, and then they put that in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of that, they were like, we they love. We'll see. In you only live twice. There is a shot where uh, you know the, that pool of water that they're in, in that compound, yeah. always is like bubbling, and it's just like a you know like a hose. <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> they're mutated sea bass. <laughs> okay, sure. Are they um, tempered? Um, yeah, there's some there's some great nuggets here. Uh, you know, ultimately they have the "we're not so different" you and I speech, mm-hmm. which. 
I think the continuity of Austin Powers kind of ruins this. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would have done what they did in Goldmember so much uh, yep. because it seems a little silly um, and doesn't always make so much sense. The retcons in these movies are bad. Um, yeah. So there's that. Uh, and ultimately, Dr. Evil escapes. He escapes and he he gets back into his rocket, um, and and uh, we have a a re- repeat of the bit from earlier in the movie again, right? Yeah, with the with big the, boy, with the big boy escaping. Yeah, it's crazy. And then once you uh, so there's the epilogue where we see that um, you know Austin and Miss Kensington have gotten mar- married, and they re. Pete the bit again with the fruit and the ah, yep. thanks basil nice rack yeah. uh, <laughs> you know very very silly uh then you have this horrible gang rapist guy random task come in and he throws a shoe uh austin says who throws a shoe honestly um and it's very, i i like the ending um they use the penis enlargement pump to uh, finally oh great fantastic um and I don't know. Uh, and then this movie ends. It has a it couple ends. Little, it has a couple little things in the credits, but it kind of just ends. It's yeah, I mean I think the um the little it has a happy ending. They probably didn't know if it would have been a success or not, and so they leave it open, which is great. Um, you know, not killing off Dr. Evil or some of the other characters that come back later on. Um and, you know, I I love the little interludes. We didn't talk about that like the with him and the, the psychedelic the set pieces, the psychedelic, psychedelic set. Pe- yeah, those are great. And then like at the end we have a song, he, the, uh, the BBC. <laughs> it's, that's a great song. So that this is Mike, Mike Myers, Myers wrote. Band. Yeah. <laughs> and it's with uh, a couple people like Susanna Hoff. She's from the bangles. She's married to J Roach. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew sweet is a, another singer songwriter. Um, the other guys are, are just, you know, musicians. I couldn't find anything super significant on them. You know, this, like, whole band that he kind of got into after uh, SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's super, it's cool. They use them more and differently in the other movies, but I think here it works well to, like, if each scene in the Austin Powers movie is, like, a sketch, right? Right. Then this is a great way to say, this is where the sketch ends, and let's go to the next scene. Kind of like Monty Python. Sure. Or SNL, you know, like instead of having, you know, like Wayne's World is like a continuous, you know, movie, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't have like the kind of, you know, set pieces the way that Austin Powers does. Um, you know, it's, it's just like it, I like the way that they break up the the flow of the movie. It's it's like um, it's reminiscent of like shows from the 60s, like the monkeys or like um some of like that that kind of vibe or like a cartoon is really what it feels like where they have to put something in there to to keep your attention and be like okay we're moving on to the next thing here um but it's the over over the top and ridiculous um each time um but yeah i mean this movie to me is fantastic um i still think it holds up i think the jokes are still funny um i'm always quoting it uh it to me like after rewatching all of them um it's 
interesting to, to for my memory of like where the differences between one and two are they like blur together a lot in my mind but um revisiting it now it's like okay yeah um i mean elizabeth hurley obviously makes it very definitive like this is one movie and later on but i can't wait to talk about the rest i think they're they're so much fun and um a great counterpoint to our james bond series just and and a, a bit of levity in, in everything of, of course yeah this is a great escape um i i love this movie i love mike myers i think he's one of the best comedic actors you know ever um i really like his stuff uh i'm you know i wish he had could do more you know i'm sad that kind of his last movie is the love guru he's gone on to do other stuff he you know has a couple cameos in inglorious bastards and in uh, bohemian rhapsody yep but he's yet to come back around they've talked about doing austin powers for a lot i do not think it's going to happen the main reason i don't think it's going to happen is because of Vern troyer's death yeah. uh and i think that you really needed uh mini me um for a sequel people want mini me that's what yeah. I think that's the one of the major things that is exciting to talk about for later on. So further mm-hmm. on down the line, um, we will be discussing, uh, you know, the spy who shagged me as well as gold member, but only once that has become more appropriate to break up the bond monotony that's about to happen. <laughs> Yes, because we have finished Pierce Brosnan, and we are going to be moving on to the Daniel Craig films, and then continuing on to the rest of them. Yeah, um, and once you like this, it's interesting that we. I'm glad we got to talk about this because Austin Powers really, I think, pokes holes in all the parts of Bond that you need to reboot him after this. Yeah, you know, like the damage is done by this spoof movie to make future movies of about this character you know, almost really difficult. Um, I mean, it's so interesting to me that like, uh, I mean, GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies, like were in the can when this was created. So like they couldn't, that, that, that was, those weren't affected by it. I think what happens is this movie comes out and they're probably working on world is not enough and they don't have enough time to react. And by the time that die another day comes out, like we've already, had two of the Austin Powers films and they probably just ran out of ways to, to counteract it. And, and I think that's ultimately why they had to, to zig and make uh, the Daniel Craig bond so drastically different. I completely agree with you. And I, I, I do love this movie. I don't know how I'm going to feel about the other movies going forward, but I do love this one. I think that this is a special kind of thing because of, First of all, how much I love Mike Myers and I love his art, but also because uh, it represents a part of the late 90s that, you know, I don't think gets enough play, which was kind of the little bit of like swinging swingness that came back around, like the big bad voodoo daddy guys and the um, the Brian mm-hmm. Setzer orchestras and kind of you know, proto electro swing, you know, kind of when we were really beginning to. Um, I don't know, like change the, it was a different port part of the culture, you know, and it definitely existed and it was there and it, there was a, a level of people who were remembering the sixties who wanted, who were nostalgic for it and were nostalgic for these elements of it, you know, not the 1968 stuff, not the Woodstock stuff, like the 
the summer of love London kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And that really is, uh, I, I think really time, a time capsule in this movie. And I think, you know, um, it, it's a, it, the main thing I think you take away from this movie. And I'll try to leave it here is you want to go see Austin Powers's world, right? You want to go see him in, in his element. And that's exactly uh-huh. what they're going to do in the next movie. Yep. They, yeah, they took him out of, uh, he he's a fish out of water, and now let's go see him back in his element. So, um, yeah, I I love it. I'm so glad we're doing this. Um, and uh, this was a great episode. I hope you enjoyed the trivia we had along for it. You know, I tried really hard to pull good you know research so that you know going forward there's some good stuff you can learn from this. You know, in terms of stuff that's available on YouTube to watch about Austin Powers or you know, even other podcasts, there's a lot of just like, you know, discussion about it. I really wanted to bring some different level of uh, insight into what they made because I have such a high reference for it, like uh, reverence for it. Like I think that it's somebody making something that they really loved and really believed in and, you know, made with all their heart for kind of everything. And, you know, the fact that they've made this movie for very little than it grossed crazy. And then this was the crazy, this is the craziest piece of trivia. This, this, you're going to love this. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, and Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, $330 million, pretty much paid for Lord of the Rings. Huh. New Line Cinema. So Very be, interesting. Because of Austin Powers, we have Lord of the Rings. That's tight. Fantastic. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So I think we've... Uh, gotten your goose folks thank you for listening um we are the long lost heroes podcast we're going to be talking about james bond until no time to die uh with daniel craig coming out this fall check us out you can find us online www.longlostheroes.net you could email us info at longlostheroes.net you could find us on social media at llh podcast um you can find us individually too whatever you want to do uh i'm aj And I'm Frank. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great day. Feel better. Thanks, everybody. Bye.